Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode we have Netflix 183rd film from 2019. It's the biographical comedy Dolomite Is My Name, directed by Craig Brewer. It stars Eddie Murphy, Divine Joy, Randolph, Keegan-Michael Key, Mike Epps, Craig Robinson, Titus Burgess, and Wesley Snipes. I'm Jesse, and I am here with MJ. Hello and welcome. Thank you, mate. Welcome. I don't know how to respond to welcome. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Hello. <laughs> it's good to be here. I am excited to talk about Dolomite is my name. I'm excited to like movies with you as we do every week. Um, how have you been, mate? Yeah, good. I, it's uh, always I've, I've been looking forward to this film since it came out, I reckon, and mm. I think well, we, I don't want to repeat us every week, but this is one of the ones where I'm like, yeah, we'll do it on the podcast. We'll get to it. Uh, three years later, we're there. You've done so well to hold off um, because when this came out, I was like, no, nah, I can watch it now because it's going to be years until we watched it on the podcast. And then when I <laughs> watch it again, <laughs> I won't remember it. But nowadays, I notice you've changed your tact. If a new Netflix movie comes out that you want to see, you just watch it and you jump on a solo pod and talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> yep. Well, there's uh, uh, yeah. honestly anything that comes out now, we'll be doing honestly in like five years, so maybe more. <laughs> exactly, who knows if we'll still be uh, in 500 episodes in? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's probably where they're at right now, isn't it? Like mm. probably five, six hundred movies. Gosh. But you, you have so obviously you just said you've seen this one before, so did you remember a lot of it? Or, um, uh, generally, I think if you've seen the film and like. We'll do a quick spoiler alert now. If you haven't seen it, we are going to spoil the film at some point. Um, but it's not the sort of film that's full of big moments that you would that you do remember, if you know what I mean. Like it's like I didn't forget anything, but there was nothing really major that I was like, oh, that was a big plot twist I forgot about. So I, I generally remembered the, the basis of it and the bits and pieces where I was like, I can't exactly remember what's going to happen now. But um, it's just one of those films. I think it's more of a sit back and enjoy as opposed to really dissect which we're about to do good well we do start off with our fast flicks where we do a quick summary about what the film is all about so what is dolomite is my name it's too many is what in dolomite is my name give us, <laughs> give us your, your rap this is i got a very bad fast fix this week i've gone really boring and i just i just wrote it and went with it and didn't change it so this is the story of rudy ray moore and his rise to fame in black pop culture in the 1970s that's yeah. boring that's okay. Mine's pretty boring too. It's, it's based on a true story. Follows Rudy in the build-up to the production of his black exploitation film Dolomite. Yeah, that's the thing. I'd always talk about this being the elevator pitch. If someone said to me that, like, oh, this is the story of Rudy Ray Moore, I'd be like, I don't know what that is, and I don't need to see that film. I guess the, what you, the, the pitch, the pitch. If you're pitching this film in any way, you, you're talking about Eddie Murphy. So that's it's very true. He's uh, he's the big part in this film. So. Before we do talk about uh, some performances in this one, what, what could you work out about the development of this one and, and how it ended up on Netflix? Yeah, so it's June 7, 2018. Uh, that was when it was first announced. That's when we first sort of learned that Dolomite Is My Name was going to be a movie. Um, it got announced then that Craig Brewer was going to direct it. Uh, there was a script written by Scott Alexander and Larry Karasuski um, and Netflix already on board producing and distributing the film with Eddie, Ray, Eddie Murphy to star as Rudy Ray Moore. So Eddie Murphy basically has come out and said recently or since the film been made that 
a biopic of Rudy Ray Moore had long been a dream project for him. So he initially met with the two screenwriters um, back in 2003. Can you believe it? 2003. Mm -hmm. And they began developing the project, (laughs) you know, nearly 20 years ago. Um, So Murphy, Eddie Murphy at the time, arranged a meeting between the writers with Rudy Ray Moore. And and he told them, you know, many of his life stories because he he passed away in 2008. Um, However, after all this, it just became really difficult to make this film. And, you know, we don't necessarily know the ins and outs of Hollywood, but you hear a lot of stuff where things just get stuck in in production hell and and they just can't get movies made. It's not not a cheap thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. And this is one of those situations where it just didn't happen. So 10 years later, it finally comes onto onto the scene and, Eddie Murphy's aged 10, 10 years. I think he's at the time that they made at the time that the original Dolomite movie was made. I think Eddie Murphy was like ten years older than what Rudy Ray Moore actually was when he made it. So uh, might have been interesting if they had made it in two thousand and eight. But anyway, principal photography began on June 12, twenty eighteen. Dolomite is my name. Then had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival nearly a year later. Um, oh, sorry, over a year later on September 7, twenty nineteen. Um, it was released then in theaters from a limited release in theaters on October 4, and then it became available worldwide on Netflix on the 25th of October 2019. Um, so that's the story of it. I did want to just bring up one little thing I just found on the IMDb trivia page. Some of that stuff's normally crap, but I did like the idea that Keegan Michael Key, who's who's in the in the cast of this film, um, was a huge fan of Rudy Ray Moore before getting uh, the gig in this film. Which I can I can totally see that I can see how Keegan Michael Key would like this kind of content. Um, but while he was working on Predator in 2018, the other cast members would actually come to Keegan Michael Key's trailer to watch Rudy Ray Moore films. So I love that. That just gives you an insight into Keegan Michael Key, which doesn't surprise me one bit, and I really enjoyed it. It's a good story. Yeah, I think uh, there's not too much else to add, to add really, apart from like the it is a true story. So there's there's lots of little facts and, and tidbits about. You know the the references made in this film throughout to to, to the life of Rudy, and I think the, if you think about the the post credits, they include shots from the the films that were um, you know referenced in this. And I think overall, the the overall gist is that well, it's the making of the film Dolomite. A lot of the the scenes mm. and comedic elements are probably from a few of the the films that they all made together, rather than just this one. Sort of paying homage to the to the, the collection of films that they created. Uh, and it was nice too at the end of the film that it was, it was dedicated to Eddie Murphy's brother, Charlie, who passed away. So that was a, a nice little little touch to finish off with as well and added to a bit of the heart of this one. And awards, as we, we probably uh, alluded to at the start, this was, this was sort of uh, earmarked as a, um, a contender for awards back in, in 2019. Uh, and it, it was 97 nominations altogether it got for mainly Murphy's acting performance mm. uh, and it won 30 awards. So out of 97 awards at 137, so sorry, 97 awards at 130. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty big film really for an amount of awards for a Netflix film. That's it. And I remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the laundromat. Um, when this movie first came out, all the talk was, will Eddie Murphy get a nomination for Best Actor at the Academy Awards and, and, and relevant awards? And he, he didn't get... He didn't get an Oscar nom, but he did obviously receive and win a lot of other awards. And he was great in it. 
Yeah. The translations for the title across the world, the only one that oh, was yeah. sort of a little bit different in Japan, it was just titled Rudy Ray Moore, which I thought was a nice title as well. Um, just tells you yeah. that it's his story. So that, that wasn't too bad either. Um, well, I didn't know like, anything about Rudy Ray Moore going into this film, right? Did you? Do you know Rudy no, Ray Moore? No, nothing at all. So when I'm first watching this film, I remember this when I first watched it, you know, this is Eddie Murphy's talking about Rudy Ray Moore. I'm Rudy Ray Moore. Rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, oh, he's going to like change his name to Dolomite or something. I'm like, and then I I'd never realized that Dolomite was just a character that he played. Yeah. Like, it was a little bit more low key than, than I expected it to be. True. Well, uh, did you say the tagline for this one? I didn't, no. Ties in very nicely with what you've just said because the tagline is make your own legend. So that's uh, oh, yeah. that ties in with, with the idea of Dolomite is his own legend, I guess. I don't mind that tagline. Yeah, not bad. Um, I had a percentage match for this one. Not me. What no, you get? I had seventy-seven percent, so uh, not too bad. Not too bad. It's not bad for not, you. You get yeah, some low no, ones. I do. It's not in the eighties though. That's where we're, if you're eighty and above, then you're pretty much telling me I'm going to enjoy it. So in the seventies, that's true. Right? I, I um I often get like some real big like ninety nines and like ninety fives and ninety six, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Netflix, you're really putting yourself out on a limb here because if you get this wrong, I don't trust you again. <laughs> and they have so much data on you i'm sure that's right <laughs> <laughs> let's let's have a look at the consensus fill us in on what uh the critics and the audiences have said about this one yeah like i i don't think you can really look at this in any other way than this movie being a real hit for netflix this is one that they got right it landed so it's a 7.3 out of 10 on imdb off the back of sixty thousand ratings which is great and it's very similar score on Letterboxd, 3.6 out of 5. That's off nearly 83,000 ratings. So these are big numbers of people who watched it and liked it, and we saw the awards noms. I think uh, Netflix pat themselves on the back for this. Yeah, even Rotten Tomatoes agrees here as well. The, the critics, there were 234 critics, which is extremely high. Uh, sits at 97%, so that is certified Wow. Fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience is just as, as kind 91% on more than a hundred ratings from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes as well. So overall, this is, this is a hit, as you said. Well done Netflix. Yeah. Well, is it a hit in your eyes? What are your early thoughts? Yeah. I, this, as, as we've talked about, this is a rewatch for me. Um, it's, it wasn't as good on a rewatch. I have to be honest. I think it's, it felt longer than I remember it. It really did drag this time around. Um, considering it's a two-hour movie, there is a lot of the same stuff that just kind of happens, a lot of the same tone, a lot of the same humour. But I do. Eddie Murphy is just so much fun in this movie. Um, the energy that he brings, the humour that he brings, he, he really does carry this film. And this, this is a good film. Um, I just, yeah, I probably didn't enjoy the rewatch as much. And I, you know what? I wasn't necessarily looking forward to rewatching it either. Like I enjoyed it when I first watched it, but I didn't need to see it again. And I, I guess that probably came out a little bit, um, but I still, I think it's a good film. Cool. Yeah. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I think anything that sort of covers the making of movies and the movie mm. industry is going to get my attention. And, and as we've sort of touched on Eddie Murphy, it was, it was made for this role. It was, it was so good. And I also mm. enjoyed the, commentary on the struggles that are faced by black creatives as well so um yeah for me it's a big tick yeah i actually and we'll probably get into i, I kind of wish they had gone a little bit harder on those things they kind of really touch 
the service on a lot of that kind of stuff without really going into it. Um, it's almost mentioned, but not explored if you get my drift. Yeah. And I'll, yeah, I'll, we'll probably talk. Yeah. We'll talk about that a bit later. Cause I think that it was done <laughs> in a quite a, a good way as well, even though it wasn't done uh, over the top. So anyway, let's talk about some characters. Start off with Rudy. Oh, really? You want to start with him? Okay. No, um, no, no sure. I'm, 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 <laughs> of course um, I Okay, Nick. Bill Rudy Ray Moore. Look, <laughs> <laughs> look, Rudy, I, I love, like, he's not like an automatically I love this character kind of guy, but I don't know why he's not because like, I love his drive and his ambition and particularly off the back of so much failure. Like, at, at what point do you just give up? Um he basically just dives headfirst on any idea that he has. And it's hard not to admire that because um, he's just he's got this nonstop desire to be famous. And I don't necessarily think he wants to change the world with his art, art in inverted commas, I guess, but he literally just wants to be famous and he works his ass off to do so. And he puts everything on the line to keep feeding this ambition. Um, and at his core, he's just, more than anything, he's just a really good friend. He's he's there for people. He doesn't he doesn't care about people's backstory. He doesn't care about who they are, where they how they got to. But he would, he just he just goes into bat for you. Um, and that's more of his legacy than his, as I said, like his art that he's creating. He doesn't care about that as much as he just cares about getting his friends on board. But also just that desire to be famous. And obviously, by the end of it, he's just a really infectious character, Eddie Murphy as we've already spoken about, just smashes this performance out of the park. So it's, um, yeah, the movie is is him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree. I think the idea that he's playing a character then creates a character. So he's playing another or multiple other characters yeah. that we see throughout. It's, just, it, it's <laughs> like, you know, the idea that he stand up and then you've got his LPs and, you know, he's not feeling fulfilled in, in the singing or the rapping or the stand up or working at the record store. And the idea that, this idea of movies is my next big thing. It's like, he's, he's happy to take on any challenge. And, and I really liked the way that they didn't like, they made little subtle comments about the rough childhood um, and the dad, you know, sort of not being the best father. And I, I think that especially in that scene where he does that, he has that photo of his dad and, and he uses that for inspiration and in he's acting. I, I liked that they didn't blatantly just be like, you know, my issues or my, my inability to succeed are because of, my upbringing, it was like, no, nah, this guy's got drive, he's driven and he's going to do whatever he can and he'll use those things from the past mm. to motivate him without it being such a big deal. It was, I just thought that was cool with his character. Yeah, it ties into him being knocked back for everything that he's ever done, yeah. that he's still got that ability to bounce back, which in a sense is what he would have learned from his childhood instead of accepting that as like, this is my... This is my life. This is what happens to me. I just, this, things don't work for me. He's like, well, I'm, I'm used to not getting what I want but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying to get it. Yeah, exactly. Now, there, there is a cast of characters that sort of surround him throughout this film. They're, they're all little tiny bits. I would suggest I'll probably think we talk about Lady Reed next because I think her character is the, the next one that we sort of is the heart of this film. Yeah, I, I think you struggle to get too much out of any other character than Lady Reed um, and obviously Rudy. I suppose... Uh, she's kind of the true embodiment of Rudy's infectious personality and his ability to, to deliver for his friends. I think maybe he's got an eye for talent because he picked her up out of the blue, which I'm not 
I'm not really buying from the scene that we did in real life. Maybe he did. <laughs> um, but I think the point of introducing this character was to ensure we understand the impact that he had on those around him. Um, I don't think we get a proper taste of Lady Reed's story. And I'd actually be keen to explore more of it because the snippets we see of her talking about her, her stage fright and her battles with image and juggling life of being a mum, they're really just things that she mentions. And, and from an audience perspective, we kind of we glossed over it because um, we don't actually see her dealing with it. She just kind of says, hey, I've got an issue with stage fright. Next scene, she's singing. Hey, I'm really worried about being on camera tomorrow because you don't see girls my size and the camera adds 10 pounds, whatever it is. Next scene, she's just in the movie. Like you don't actually see how she does with it. She mentions it. Um, so I think there's there's a bit left on the plate with with Lady Reed, but still a really good character. And again, used to to show a side of Rudy that we may not have seen otherwise, which seems to be an important part of who he was. Yeah, I I don't have too much further to add because I think. The, the meeting, the first meeting between her and Rudy at the bar with that lacking of confidence. And I just really appreciated the way and it sort of developed Rudy's character more in that he just had this ability to make her feel safe and people, people feel safe. And, and we didn't necessarily need to see her dealing with these struggles that she's got. And if you do that quick cut, we know that Rudy's dealt with this. Rudy's, Rudy's been able to, to make her shine. So it sort of adds further to his ability to, to get the team working around him, uh, and, and I did like the follow-up towards the end too, where she sort of thanks Rudy for mm. you know, recognizing that she's a real woman because she, by the end of it, we've seen her, even though we haven't seen everything in between, we have seen her develop and, and you know, shine and, and she's happy in herself and happy where she's at, which was a nice thing. Oh, yeah. She's come a long way from uh, you know, how she starts getting basically dumped. Off. Yeah. But like dumping, <laughs> dumping, and I guess ending a big phase of her life getting hit hitting back uh, appropriate this week with the oscars being on, on the slap <laughs> well, i was gonna mention that we had chris rock in, in his film as well didn't we? <laughs> yeah we when did he, when, when, he, when chris rock came on the screen i was like ah oh, it was hard. already weird wasn't it i can't believe it's already <laughs> all right are there um, any other characters that you wanted to touch on the only and i've just got a tiny thing to talk about jerry jones played by keegan michael key I just thought it was interesting that they included, not that they included, this is obviously based on on what really happened, but to see that there's a guy, obviously still a black guy, but from a more upper-class part of society who could still really buy into what Rudy is doing and Rudy is offering and that energy that he brings. Like He seemed to be a very accomplished playwright and director in his own regard. And Rudy's like, let's make a movie for the, let's, sorry, let's make a, a, a film for the big screen. And he's just like, you know what, if you think we can do that, then I'm all on board. And then he bought into that. And that's, that's, I guess that's kind of the far reaching side of things that, that Rudy had. And I guess it ties into the film school kids who came and helped out. No one, sorry, not no one, but Rudy didn't care what color skin they had. If they were happy to help and be part of it, then he was going to give them as much as he could. It's, yeah, it was kind of nice to see. And I think, I think um, having that Jerry character, almost like the complete opposite of um, Wesley Snipes's uh, Darrell Martin, the director, like, the re- only real professional that was sort of on the set and provides a lot of comedic uh, moments in this because of that idea of there is someone who's a, p- a professional and doesn't agree with what's going on and doesn't think what's happening is going to work. It, it was really good to have that sort of um, parallel between all the differences between those that fully supported him. You just needed someone to say, mm-hmm. hey, there were people there that sort of said, hey, this probably isn't going to work. 
Yeah, that's very true as well. And the, the idea that Eddie, that Rudy Ray Moore was just basically like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing here. We're just, we're just trying to make a movie. You guys can do the technical stuff. We're like, he, he was fully admitted that, like, that some of the scenes they're shooting, I'm like, I don't know. How are you doing all this? They stole power from next door. Like, it was good. All right. The director, Craig Brewer. Anything interesting about Craig? Um, look, I don't, I don't know the name Craig Brewer, but why am I having trouble saying Brewer? I think I keep yeah. wanting to say, I don't know. Anyway, Brewer, Brewer. Um, he, writer and director of Hustle and Flow in 2005, where Terrence Howard was nominated for Best Actor. He did a, uh, a Footloose remake in 2011, director and producer on Empire TV show. But that was, I oh know, that wasn't after. Um, writer for Legend of Tarzan. So he's sort of been around. Um, this was actually the first film uh, not to be written by him that he's directed as well as the first film he'd been that's produced by Netflix. But um, after Dolomite, he did Coming to America, as in Coming, the number two America, the sequel. Reunited with um, Eddie Murphy. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, he's, he's, he's done a bit. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I haven't got anything else to add. To, I think Empire did, I think he directed 10 episodes on that as well. So a very popular TV show there for a while. Um, good. This is a chance to talk about some scenes. Uh, what are some scenes in this one that you enjoyed? Yeah, I um, I liked a few. It was one of those movies where I was a little bit surprised how many I did like. But I actually really liked the opening with with Snoop when he's in there trying to pitch his songs to be played. And I think the main reason was, I, as I said, I wasn't really looking forward to this rewatch because I'm like, I've done this before. But Eddie Murphy is so infectious and brings that energy from the very start that it's impossible not to not to come on board straight away. And that was great. It was a funny scene. Um and I, love, I actually love the fact that he plays that song after, later on when he's like, can you play my record now? <laughs> exactly. That's the first thing I've got is that the two scenes that you've got with Snoop, like they're, they're purposeful. You've got the one that's set up. It's like, cool, Snoop Dogg's on screen. And then the refusing to play his song and locking the door and playing the one that he doesn't like. That was just a really yeah. good follow-up. Just a perfect use of almost a cameo. It was good. I think I read that Snoop did work with the real Rudy Moe Moore in a movie or a TV show or something in, back in the 90s. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he would have enjoyed being part of this film for that reason, I imagine. Very true. Um, the next scene was purely a humor scene for me when when Rudy and and Jerry were, were brainstorming ideas for the movie and, and kind of coming up with a with a script. Uh, and Eddie, sorry, Rudy just keeps mentioning. Um, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> Rudy <laughs> keeps mentioning all the things he wants. I'm going to have kung fu, like, and then he's like, and, and we'll have an exorcism. And Jerry just kind of just like was like what's like just like draws a line on it, and then even just the way Eddie Murphy's just like your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> the reason that he doesn't want to do it is oh, I mean too much. You clean up all that green stuff, and but apparently that they did a movie that had an exorcism in it in, as one of their sort of five movies that they all did, and that was kind of like a reference to that. Um, I, I just thought that was a really funny that. scene. I thought as well, like the the, the idea of like the. All, all girl kung fu fighting army and then you see them like practicing later on yeah. like it was funny it was very very funny i, I completely agree <laughs> <laughs> probably the, the next this is probably the main i think this sums up rude this scene sums up rudy the best is when he tells deville that basically that he's not bigger than the movie and how he's like if people down there get hungry i'll make them sandwiches and he's like no one here has an ego we're all doing this because we have a greater vision of creating a film that no one thinks that we can actually make. And I really liked that, that 
he doesn't come off as the smartest guy, but he's 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 self conscious enough to understand that no, I'm I'm doing everything for the right reasons, and I'm not going to let you push me around or be a dick about it just because you think you know who you are. And he really puts him back in his place, and there's no argument off the back of that. And I really like that scene. It 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 showed the side of Rudy that I guess we were we were seeing without seeing it, and maybe it's too explicit, but I thought it was great. Yes. Um, and the final scene was just a little shot that I really enjoyed when he when he had that film screening. I think it was in Indiana when he was basically spruiking it himself and paying for the midnight screening, and and seeing him walking down the aisle and look back at the projector, you know that, that vision that he had initially seeing the projector and thought if I can do this, you know I can reach the whole world and and that r- moment of realization was uh, was really nice and really well done. I've also got that too. That, that just the the first scene where he stares at the projector, and then uh, it's almost like you know he can see his dreams light up, and then that, like you mentioned, that following shot at the end, it was just a nice bringing back together too. Yeah, I love nice. that ambition, right? Like the amount of people that probably think that for a split second and then do nothing about it. You know, this guy goes in and does it. Excellent. Uh, I think I haven't got to like. Yeah, we had a lot of matching scenes there, like three. We're rarely aligned with yeah. scenes. Oh, exactly. So. I think the, there's a scene where um, Rudy goes begging his auntie for money and sort of like pulls the butter knife on her. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this guy's this guy's desperate. So that was that, give I, me the money. Was yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Um, I, and sort of to do with the the cinema scenes as well. The one where the group of them go and sit with that in that cinema that was like packed with whites and you know the whole audience is just killing themselves laughing. I just thought that was a really really good way to show the parallels between the comedy that he's doing in the clubs and the producers and the labels and all those people saying, you know, this is uh, a market that, you know, goes around five blocks in every city in America rather than, Mm. and then you you have that same reflection that, you know, comedy, uh, art, there are different target audiences. There are different people that get different things. And obviously there is an audience for for different, different people and, and different, different lifestyles too and different, backgrounds all that sort of stuff so i just really thought that was a really mm. cool setup to sort of and that's what he was understand. right he was he was he was letting people know that there is an audience out there for this mm. work that was getting completely ignored exactly so yeah that ties in obviously with some themes we're probably going to talk about later uh, last thing I, I there was a scene is the film's done and he's still at that hotel that he's kicked all the junkies out and the phone rings and he takes that call about like a studio sort of rejecting the film and it was just a really cool setup with him sort of isolated in that booth and you could just feel how um, on his own he was at that stage that everyone's sort of gone, the project's done and he's got nowhere to go. He's down and out and there's there's nothing else that he can do. He's, he feels that almost failure for this at this moment. Uh, I think it sort of follows in with that that scene in the diner where he sort of loses it. And so one sort of scene that we actually see him um, take yes. it out on, on his friend. So um, it was a nice little turning point, I guess. He literally um, had everything on the line. Yeah. The last thing that this film uses montages an awful lot. I don't. Th- I don't think I've seen a film in a long time that has so many montages of, of little little things throughout, like the printing of the LPs. You've got him doing the promotion for his film. There's just lots of these little montages, and usually not a big fan, but I think they use these really well throughout. So that's just the last thing I'll put in there. Montages be one of those things that you don't really understand how much time it would take to shoot that. Because mm. even though you're seeing a second or half a second or something, they're not shooting for half a second. They got to set everything up, and they got to do it for like the smallest amount of screen time. It would be painstaking at times. Exactly. Is there anything in this one you didn't like? I didn't like Wesley Snipes. I just that character didn't work for me at all, and I couldn't take him seriously. I think the initial meeting of Derville is. Um, 
took me too long to understand what this character is and who he is. And then when you finally understand it, you're probably halfway through spending time with him on screen. And I just don't think it worked. I think, I don't know whether it was a Wesley Snipes, you know, playing outside of the Wesley Snipes that we know, but it just didn't work for me and I couldn't take him seriously at any point. So uh, that's probably more on me, but um and and for me that this the other thing I, I struggled with is the making of the movie I thought really dragged on. I, I I just had a little bit of a it got to a point where I had no idea of the direction that they were going with this film and what they were trying to do and how it was supposed to look. And it just felt like it was just scene after scene after scene of them making the movie. And I, I kinda didn't see an end game to it. Um and it just it was slow. So that's that's the two things for me I struggled with. Um, I haven't got anything. I, I don't. There's nothing that really bugged me. So um, that's good. Yeah, let, yeah, it's not too bad. Let's let's move into some themes and some ideas. What 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 are you taking away from this one? Well, there's two. I think there's two ways to look at this, and it might be better for you to talk about the race side of things because I feel like you've got some more ideas than I do. But then you've got the person, this this character, regardless of who he is, with that ambition and that drive and that desire. And that ability to continue to back up and back up and, and, and just keep fighting for what you want to do. And if it doesn't work, that's cool. Dust yourself off and have another go. Like, it's a pretty good character to base a film around. And, and obviously the friendship side of things too. You get the idea that he, his mates were kind of have always been there for him as well. Like they, as much as he sort of does things for them, like they're the ones that helped him get off the ground. And it's it's just a full circle of what friendship can do. So I really like that side of things, but I am really keen to hear your thoughts on on the race side of things too, because we're talking about a film from oh, era of the 1970s. So it's, you know, potentially a big era of change for racism. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you summed that up really well. Like I just had like single words for the, you know, you got perseverance, chasing dreams, standing up against those who say no, doubters, all that sort of stuff, which you summed up really nicely. But yeah, I think the idea that, um, and you know, this is, this is based in the seventies. So even prior to the seventies, the, the whiteness of Hollywood that we still sort of see today, realistically that, and the difficulties for black artists to have a voice and no matter how talented, no matter how persistent they were, that there were always these challenges, the the inability to fund, the inability to to get the film out there without having to pay to put the film in a cinema yourself. Mm. These, these are all things that, um, and I really I, I have a little bit of knowledge about black exploitation because I, I use it a little bit um, when I talk about Night of the Living Dead. Um, when I teach that film as like you've got a, a strong male protagonist in a, in a film through the 60s which you know wasn't something that you'd see and the only time you would see it is, is through these these creative black people that that made these films for their audiences and and quite successful and looked back on quite positively because it's perfect to see this representation of real life characters real life people on the screen even though Dolomite's character was probably a little bit over the top with his kung fu and his um, <laughs> shooting and car chases and things like that. Well, that's the idea of black exploitation, though, is that then they leaned into it and said, "Well, if you want us to do this, and we're we're going to do it, and we're going to do it the way we want to do it." And that's exactly. that's what's cool about it. Exactly, do it our way. So, um, yeah, I, I I really like that undertone throughout, and and the idea that, um, yeah, the pioneers. They, they, these guys were pioneers in in their creative fields, and that probably leads me. And I I did say um. On the online Forbes, most people know Forbes is like a publication. So Forbes put together like a list of the best lessons to take away from this film. And I thought it was a, a cool <laughs> little cool little list that you could you could come up with. So they they said um, so number one, just because you've got nothing doesn't mean you can't create something. Cool, that's good. 
Number yep. two, pioneers must be fearless. And I think we saw that through Dolomite. He's completely yeah. fearless. Uh, number three, real world experiences enhance creativity. This is where he got his stories from. He spoke with homeless yeah, people. Yeah. Spoke, yeah. So that, that was perfect. Um, lesson number four was listen to everyone and ignore most of, in brackets, what you hear. So, you know, if you take you, you take that feedback. Listen, if got, yeah. Yeah, if you've got your goal, you've got your desire, you follow through with that. Um, number five was you are the expert. So if it's your project, it's your, you are the expert on that issue. You're either you're the expert on that story because it's your story. Um, Such a hard thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. And then finally, number six was be different and never give up. And we definitely saw that in this film. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Forbes, well done. Um, yeah. I thought that was a great list. I like the idea about, you know, about what you do about what you know. And that obviously comes through in that scene. We both liked with um, writing the story. I was like, People like to write things about what they do, and he and he's just like, ah, you don't know, like my life, nothing, nothing's exciting's happened to me. And then he breaks it down, and he's like, there's enough there. It's a good like, story. You might yeah, not think it's exciting, exciting, but it's there. So, and if it's your story, you, you're you're not going to lose the passion for it. You're not going <laughs> to get bored with it, especially when if you're making a film, you you're spending long, long time, years, even putting these things together. Oh, so, for sure, yeah. absolutely. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, what did you take away from this film? You know what? I, I, don't, I didn't think this the first time I watched it, but it had a real, for obvious reasons, it had a real disaster artist feel to it. Um, but weirdly enough, I, I feel like when I watched the disaster artists, I knew a lot more. I knew I felt like I knew more was going on when they're actually filming the room as I did during Dolomite, which is crazy because the room is a nonsensical movie uh, in many aspects. But I got to a point watching where. where going through the filming of the Dolomite movie where I, I got a little bit lost. But anyway, it's got a real disaster artist feel to it, which is similar to what you say. It's a movie that makes movies. Yeah. Um, and I, the one thing I... It's, I don't know if this is more of a thought or a takeaway, but I, I don't know if we truly get a sense of his his rise. Like, I feel like we like there's so much they do well in this story, but I feel like he goes from zero to hero really quickly and we didn't get a sense. And maybe that's how it was. I just I don't feel like they captured it as well as I could have. Like this guy achieved so much, and I feel like we missed it a little bit. It was all of a sudden he was just famous, and he was just making a movie. And I, I don't know, something feels like it's missing. And I'll get to this in questions as well because I do have a question for you about it. Cool. Yeah, I for me, I think I appreciated that in a lot of films you have you have like your in your your development stage there's going to be a moment where your character's like down and out where, where the character, you know, reflects and has this huge chunk of time spent of them spent with them looking back on choices they've made decisions they've made, you know, trying to right the wrongs and, you know, come out successful on the other side. And I think that this film was mostly done really positively. Like, yes, there's barriers. It was, yeah. Yes. There's, there's painful barriers as well, but like they're addressed and just really moved on quickly. So I really liked that. They didn't follow that common structure of you've got to, you got to fall to bounce back up. Whereas it was just like a, let's go through this film and, and let's follow your story, but do it in a positive way. That's a great point. Every now and then you get the movie where you're like, I don't really want to have the down here. I don't, I don't, I know it's going to come. I don't need the down. And, and you're right, this film never really has it in a big way. The only bad thing that happens is he needs more money and it doesn't take him long to get it. Long and he's got to sort of got to put it. Yeah. yeah, you got to put everything on the line. Like, basically, like, you're going to be indebted to us forever. Um, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. And you just feel like that's going to be okay. So it's yeah, a good and point. And sometimes and it's nice to watch that. 
Yeah, and there's all those always those short little good follow ups of like, oh, he paid us back. Oh, he's paid paid it back. Oh, yeah, guess who paid it? Like, true. And it was just like quick done follow. It's all yeah, nicely done. So yeah, good. <laughs> um, did you go on IMDb at all to look anyone up? You're gonna love this one, Jesse. This is a <laughs> great this this is a great IMDb. I didn't jump onto after the film, to be honest, because I saw I'm talking about Rico, who is the the bum who did all the jokes at the start, and I'm like I. I recognise that guy. I'm like, he's obviously like dressed to look like a homeless guy, but I reckon I, he's, he's definitely someone. And it was like clear in my head that he was someone. So I jumped on afterwards. Actor's name is Ron Cephas Jones. He is in the holiday calendar, which we did on this podcast. And he plays Gramps. Santa. Oh, he plays, Gramps. <laughs> he's like the old wise grandpa. Yeah. And like, I must admit, when I clicked on his photo, I'm like, it, it's the holiday calendar. I knew it before I even like flicked down and I found holiday calendar 2018 and it was, it was so satisfying. That, that is a, it was really, a good really character good in that. Yeah. yeah. I know you, you really liked that. that character. It, was, it was all right. It, like it, it was for what it was. It was okay. Good. No, that's uh yeah. To always get one from a film that we've done, you can't complain about that. <laughs> it's nice. All right. I didn't, I didn't have one. So question time. Yeah. I had a question for me. I'm interested. Why can't I start to get into it? Because the question I have is how much time actually transpires in this film? Because one day you feel like he's trying to get his record played at the very start. The next day he's stealing and polishing these jokes. Then he performs them, then he records them. And then all of a sudden he's got a record contract and he's on tour. But you have to assume a bunch of times past till that. And then he must have been on tour for a while before he gets the idea to make the film. I, I'm assuming this is all over the matter of years, but it yeah. didn't feel like that. Okay. Did you yeah, get that I, vibe that it didn't feel like years had passed? I guess, yeah. I guess the way that it was all done so like so fast moving that they didn't use any title cards to say two years later or anything like that, yeah, which, is, which is fine. He didn't it, need like, to either. Yeah, didn't need to, yeah. Yeah. I, it's obviously it just felt over, like he went on tour. He like just got his record deal. So he went on tour. And I get that. That's, that's kind of normal. And it's like, hey, come home. You're really famous. So he comes home and says to the boys, hey, let's go see a movie. They go see a movie. He's like, I'm going to make a movie. And it just feels like it was yeah. so seamless. So I, I think that's probably why I, I said I, I missed the rise. I feel like he didn't get the rise. It just kind of happened via phone call. He's like, hey, you're in the charts. Oh, that's it. That's probably where the montages didn't work then because they had Maybe. the montages of the record lab. They had him on tour through the montages. So, you know, that montage would have been months of him going into each city yeah. doing, doing shows and stuff. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I... Uh, the question I had, I've got a couple. The one, so Rudy stole that character, Dolomite, from the homeless guy that you looked yeah. up. And he cleared a whole bunch of junkies out of an abandoned hotel, just cleared them out. <laughs> Should the audience feel let down that we're seeing this character that we want to see do well and he's done some pretty ordinary things? <laughs> Good point. Wait, I mean... <laughs> It's it's such a specific character for a homeless guy to create. That I, is there is there a reference anywhere else, or did he just literally create that from scratch? And then Rudy's like, "Oh yeah, this is great." True. <laughs> but then clearing them out, it would have been nicer if there was a nicer way to clear them out. Maybe he got them somewhere else to go. But yeah, it's a good point, Jesse. Yeah. Um, and this this is this is where I think they do a really good parallel. His stand up jokes and songs. Did you find any of them funny? Um, not necessarily, yeah. no. Um, but 
there's an energy that he brings to it with the language. If I'm out at a club and I'm hearing him say this kind of story, out at a, whatever those things are, I'm hearing him saying this song, I think I would get sucked into that energy. I think I would find it a bit more funny. But then again, like we're also not that audience. Mm. This is an audience who's never heard this kind of stuff talked about. They're like, this is our vibe. Someone, someone gets us. So I guess that's if we had a found it funny, maybe it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah, and and that's why I think he's you know referred to as the godfather of rap because realistically this is rap, and you put a beat on that, and you, then it doesn't necessarily have to be funny. It's more musical. So um, yeah, I thought it was just an interesting sort of thing, especially with that scene in the cinema where they're all, all the the whole crowd are laughing at what's on the screen, and and they're not getting it. It's just like a a, a parallel, I guess that whether it's the modern day audience, whether it's culturally yeah. different, whatever it is, it's, it was just for me stood out as a, a very interesting parallel. I did read that about him being almost like the undisputed godfather of rap. Like, I mm. feel like it's not, it's not a gray area. I feel like he is just like, he's the guy that started this stuff. And yeah. that's, that's huge. Yeah. And that's why you get a motion picture made up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. There's motion pictures made up of people less than that. If you like rap music's enormous right now, if someone said, this is a guy who started rap music, I reckon it's going to sell more tickets and it is going to be, Hey, this is a guy who did a few black exploitation films in the seventies. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Good. All right. Well, I think we're almost ready to put it all together and come up with a final rating for out of five. What, what are your final thoughts? I've really enjoyed this conversation with you, to be honest. I do feel a bit bad that I'm, I'm giving this film a slight hit from my initial watch. I think it's fun. I think it's funny enough. And I think Eddie Murphy credibly steals the show, but it does drag a little bit and it does meander into a little bit of a meaninglessness from time to time. I kind of wondered whether there was more than just a, a fun retelling of a cult figure. And that's kind of what this movie is. Um, I know there's a lot more to it, but um, with all that said, it's still it's still enjoyable and it's still a really good feel good movie. Um, so I'm bringing it down to three stars. My initial watch, I gave it three and a half. It's come down to a three, which feels a bit unfair, but it also feels right. If I could yeah. give it a 3.25, I would, but uh, yeah, you can't get that granular. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'll, my uh, my result might bump it up and give make you feel better about it. So I enjoyed this. And I think, you know, it, it's well worth a watch for a feel good movie. If you need a feel good movie, this is this is one I can recommend, and I think even though it wasn't laugh out loud funny for me, I literally smiled this whole movie. I think like it was just like seeing Eddie Murphy on the screen playing that role, and just the situations and and the determination from him as a character. Uh, I really enjoyed. So I'm giving it a four. So that'll give us a three and a oh. half average, which will bring it back to what you originally had, and then we're all good. <laughs> all right, well, nicely done. We do that. We do that well. I think you you even me out a lot when I'm not when I'm unsure of my score. So like that. No, I it's I funny you say laugh out loud though. I feel like I haven't seen a laugh out loud movie in a long time. I'd like to watch a laugh out loud movie again. Yeah, I think so too. I think laugh out loud. Purely so. joy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think Netflix have got uh the last week they've released a new one with a whole bunch of comedians haven't they from uh what's his name the guy that did knocked up and stuff yep Judd Apatow. Yeah, it's Judd um yeah Judd Apatow. what's it called Pandemic it's uh, coming out today yeah i think it's, we it's out yes. tonight in yeah. yeah in australian time they normally come out like 5 p.m our time don't they yeah so we'll by the time this is out it will be have been out for a few days anyway so um yeah we sound like amateurs now because we're coming out later and it's, it's already out so it's all good let's let's move on we have social we've got twitter we've got facebook and instagram give us a follow if you can question i wanted to ask is does this interest you in wanting to see the dolomite film 
Yeah, it does. And just to just yeah, no, it does. I, I'll yeah. be honest, it does. I, I I had a look to see if it was on any streaming services after I watched it. It's not, but um, yeah, I'd rather watch I, it. I did exactly the same thing because I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and and give it a watch just to see these these scenes that we've seen created yeah. in a, in a film. Um, I think so even that, if that you don't see scene. them, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you don't see them, at least you'll even know that like it's just like real piss take of a film that could be pretty fun. Yeah, exactly. Good. Well. It's always a pleasure chatting, but we will be back next week with another film from 2019. It's a crime drama mystery called Rattlesnake, directed by Zach Goodich. Oh, yeah. It stars Carmen Aljogo, Theo Rossi, and Emma Greenwell. I think there are two films called Rattlesnake on Netflix from 2019, so make sure it's the right one when we watch next week. <laughs> I have to assume the other one's not an original. Think it still comes up as an original, but it's I think it's an international film. So just from a quick scroll when I was looking up the the title, so uh, just keep an eye on it. <laughs> so I'm watching the movie that should be in English. Is that what you're telling me? When I I'm pretty sure it should be in English, and I think it's got a red poster with a black rattlesnake on it. So okay, watch that God, one. <laughs> could you imagine if we start podcasting next week and you do your fast flicks and I do mine, and we're like, hang on. <laughs> It would be a disaster. We'll, we'll stay in touch this week to make sure on track. Yeah. I'll watch the first scene and be like, is this what happened? <laughs> good. Uh, thank you. This was a, a good chat. I enjoyed this one. So thank you. Yeah. No, nah, thank you as well. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to, to chatting again next week. Great. We'll see you then. See you then.